You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, I trust that the um, celebration of this day has um, not overwhelmed from what you've heard in the theology of what we have been singing and the reality of what we've been taught, even as we have been lifting our voices and praise and adoration to our risen Savior. Um, It's done. It's finished. And the receipt that all of it is true is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sadness and the despair of Friday, the loneliness and the pathetic reality that Christ has died for us is all swallowed up in the hope and the reality now that he is alive. He is risen from the dead just as he said, you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene, the, the Mary the mother of James, Salome, Joanna, and other women. Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter. Jesus will appear to those on the road to Emmaus. Then he'll appear to the 10 disciples. Uh, Thomas won't be with them that first time. And he says, unless I see, unless I see. And then Jesus appears later to the 11 and Thomas is there. Jesus will appear at the Sea of Galilee and he will restore Peter, the one who denied him three times. The, the Lord Jesus Christ will, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter will be restored In 1 Corinthians, it says that Jesus appeared to crowds of over 500. Many of them at the time were still alive. You could go and talk to them about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus will appear to James and to the other other apostles. It's done. It's finished. The work of our salvation complete in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Well, we're going to continue that theme in our series. I'm from Hebrews chapter 10, and I trust you've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word, and I'm going to start at verse 19. Follow as I read through verse 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, on this day we bend our knee, we bow before you, almighty God, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the one who sent your son to die on a cross to be the right and righteous and only payment for mankind's sin. But Lord, he is risen, just as he said, the receipt proving all that he's claimed to be. Lord, today is an amazing day of victory for believers. And I pray, God, that you would just stir in us as followers of Jesus Christ the reality of what you've done. And now, Lord, what will I do? How will I respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? As a follower of Christ, how will you stir me up 
And then, Father, for anyone who's here this morning who's never trusted Christ, as they have heard the songs and, and, uh, and seen and watched, I pray, God, that as they hear the truth of what Christ has done, that you will bring them from death to life in Jesus Christ the Lord. Do this work in your way for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. Uh, today, just two things we want to take a look at from this text, uh, two major themes. The first one is, I have confidence. First thing you want to see is, I have confidence. Knowing, brothers, since we have confidence. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the whole picture has changed. Before, with the sacrifices, they had no confidence. They knew that the, the, the sacrifice would cover their sin, but they knew it couldn't take away their sin. And, and so they had to keep going back over and over and over again, and they could have no confidence. Uh, for some of us, we have our confidence based in how, how we think we act and the way we think we deliver on things. And it doesn't give us good confidence because we know how often we fail. But here we talk about the confidence. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, uh, three things we want to see our confidence in in the text today. The first one is a new work. I have confidence in a new work. Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, I have confidence, I have boldness, I have courage to move forward because of the finished work, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The requirement was a perfect sacrifice. The requirement was one who could come who more than covered the sin that separated me from God. A blood of bulls and goats couldn't do that. They were a picture of what would come in Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ came and he lived the perfect life. He was the spotless lamb. He was the one who willingly surrendered himself. He was the one who died. He was the one who did the new work. And in him I have great confidence. I can enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Fear gripped the high priest who once a year would go in. But we have confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ to enter into the very presence of God. Because of the one who sits on the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. It's done. I will endure because there is a new work. It was sad and pathetic on Friday. But it's amazing and filled with rejoicing on Easter, a new work. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 14, just across your page, probably across your page, it says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, even through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a defiled person with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 
We rejoice on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, because there is a, a new work. And we have great confidence because of that work. And then the second thing, we have a great confidence because there is a new way. There's a new way. Look at verse 20. He says, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. The veil separating man from God's intimate presence is forever opened wide because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter uh, 27, verse 51, it's, it's Good Friday. Uh, Jesus dies and behold, 2751 Matthew, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from bottom to top. Man could have done that. From top to bottom, God did that. And the earth shook and the rocks were split an entrance has been newly inaugurated for us into the very presence of Almighty God. There's a new way. Before man was coming and through the sacrifices and trying to figure it all out and understand he would have to go back again and he'd have to go back again and he would have to go back again. But now there's a new way and a living way that's been finished and finalized in the work of Jesus Christ. A new way. And thirdly, we have a new relationship, verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus is the superior high priest. There's no more fear. There was so much fear on the day of atonement that the high priest would go in to the holy of holies and die on the spot because of his sin. They tied a rope around his ankle so they could pull him out because nobody else could go in there. But the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to show the sovereignty of God and the reality that Christ fulfilled all that God required, that he was the sufficient one. He was the sufficient way. He was the one who accomplished what could not be accomplished in any other way. And now we have a new relationship since we have a great high priest. What an amazing hope as followers of Jesus Christ, a great high priest. And what's he doing? Now, sitting at the right hand of God sitting at the right hand of God. And what's he doing there? Making intercession for you and making intercession for me. Because those of us who are in Christ, we now have a, a complete and a final and a new relationship with him. And so the work is done. I have confidence. I have confidence because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished in all that we've been hearing about over this weekend, all that we have been singing about today. It's all been accomplished. It is done. It is finished in Jesus Christ, the Lord. Many of you in the room have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've come to the place of understanding what Jesus did and why he came and you transferred your trust from what you were believing in before that wasn't going to take you anywhere good and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then Easter is a woohoo, let's go on for the Lord day. Look what he has done for me. Look what he has accomplished for me. I'm going to live out now out of that because what God has done is so awesome for me. And you've taken hold of that. 
and you're growing in it and you're learning in it and some things we're going to see in just a moment about what we need to do as a result of Good Friday and Easter. But maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. See, the whole purpose about what we've been learning about in the church in Hebrews 10 was the reality that what, what they were trying to do and all of the sacrifices, as I said, it could cover their sin, but it couldn't take away their sin. All of that was looking forward to what Christ would do. But maybe you're here today and you're not wrapped up in sacrifice. You never sacrificed anything in your life. But your way to get to God is through, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work more. I'm going to be a good person. And the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it goes on to say, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners separated from God, Christ died for us. John 3.16 says, for God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what Good Friday is about. That's what Easter is about. It's about the offering that was made for us and now the offer that is made to us in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The person who got into the baptismal tank today wasn't saved by that water. They weren't saved by that. We had communion on Friday. We're not saved by that. We're not saved by our good works. That baptism was an amazing picture of what Jesus Christ did for us when he died, was buried, and rose again for us. And so we get baptized in obedience to what God has done and in, as an identification of what he has done for us. But it doesn't save us. Our works don't save us. God's grace and his mercy and the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ alone, that's what saves us. If you've never trusted Christ, you can do that today. The most difficult decision you'll ever make because you have to sacrifice your pride. You have to set aside your, I think I can get there on my own to understand I can't and God did it and he offered me the gift and I need to receive that gift today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You can do it right where you sit. You can do it right now. And today you can know Jesus Christ, the Lord. I have confidence because of what Christ has done for me and who Christ is in me. Well, what do we do with Easter, follower of Jesus Christ? What do we do with Easter? And the second part of this message is entitled, I am committed. I am committed. Look at verses 22 to 25. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This whole picture of enduring, this whole picture of, of going on, this whole picture of I'm not going to quit. What do I do? I draw near, I hold fast, I consider some things. Enduring brings with it the idea of it's hardship, it's not going to be easy. Uh, anybody who, who pretends to tell you that your walk in Jesus Christ will be a cakewalk, it won't have any journey, it, they don't understand what God's word says. Job went through difficult times. Jonah went through difficult times. Paul spent most of his Christian life in prison. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, God's word says. We're called as followers of Jesus Christ to endure, 
to hang in there, to keep on going. Uh, that was so critical for these people in Hebrews because they were under persecution. They were facing the trials. It was difficult for them. And it's like, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, but rather endure, endure. Over in Hebrews 12, verses one and two, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of, of God. We're called to go into spiritual training, as it were. We're called to endure. We're called to get fit. And uh, in this text, it talks about three ways you can do that in Hebrews chapter 12. The first way you do that is by losing the excess weight. I wear this jacket because it covers a multitude of sin. Um, okay, it's not that funny. If you're gonna get in a race, you have to train and you gotta get rid of the extra pounds. It's true in our spiritual walk as well. If we're gonna be people who are enduring in the race, we gotta get rid of the excess baggage of unbelief. And how do we do that? Well, there's a number of ways we can do that. You do that by getting in the word. You do that by spending time in prayer and fellowship with others. We're gonna see that in a moment, but you also do that, that struggle with unbelief by stopping and remembering all that God has done for you. We so often are looking forward, so quickly looking forward, and we forget God has been faithful in this and this and this and this and this. And if we would just stop and remember, the eyes of our faith would be open to go on and serve the Lord. We need to exercise the reality of uh, dealing with the unbelief, lose that extra weight. Next thing you got to do if you're going to get in a race, you got to actually start running. You got to get off the couch. You can't just watch exercise videos. You actually have to exercise. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about put on the whole armor of God. And after you've done everything to stand, sit. No, that's not what it says. After you've done everything to stand, stand, it says. We have to do something. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ moving forward, we got to train for the race. We got to get into the practice. And then we've got to have our eyes fixed on the goal. Uh, fixed on the goal. Why are we in the race? Not in the race for our own glory. We're in the race for the glory of God. We're in the race for the hope of what Christ has done for us. So we're called to endure. And so it's Easter. And God is calling every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ now to endure. And he gives three quick snapshots of that in the text. In verse 22, he says, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from, all ev from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. It's interesting, he uses the picture that they would understand of the sacrifices, but now it's in a very different light. But he says to them, we need to draw near, draw near in a full assurance, but draw near. You ever think about how humbling that is? Humbling that now I get to draw near to God. I get to. Because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me, the way he has opened up, he says, draw near. It's like, oh my goodness, I get to draw near to God. What an amazing reality for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Not only do we get to draw near, but 
We should be overwhelmed by the, re the responsibility to draw near. It's not a suggestion he's making to us, saying based on all that Jesus Christ has done, you get to draw near. Now draw near, it's our responsibility. When things are going well in your life, draw near. When everything's just clicking along and everything seems to be fine, and there's no hurdles in the way, draw near. Be very careful when things are going well that you don't start looking at your own gifts and your own abilities and look what I've done. No, no, draw near to God and understand that every perfect gift comes from the, the one who's the creator of all. He's the maker of those things. He's the one who pours out on us. And so when things are going well, draw near. When things aren't going well, draw near when you're not sure about your job and whether you're gonna have it next week. When you're waiting to hear the report from the doctor and you're not sure what he's going to say. When the bills seem to be piling up, draw near. That's lean in time. Draw near in full assurance of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, draw near. In good times, in difficult times, in devastating times, draw near. When your marriage looks like it's about to blow up and you can't do anything about it and you think there might be no hope anymore, draw near to God. When that person who you thought was a friend and faithful to you and they turn on you, draw near to God. When someone who you love, God takes them, draw near. As followers of Jesus Christ, the way that people see who we are in Christ and what Christ means to me is the way we react in these things. The first thing he says to them is draw near. The next thing he says is hold fast. Look at uh, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast the confession of our hope. Um, hold fast to the things that are non-negotiable in your life. Um, the doctrinal statement of our church, we call that, that's a closed hand thing around here. It's closed hand. We hold fast to that. There are all kinds of things in life and even in our church that are open-handed and we want to be careful what we close our hand on. But the things that are foundational to us, the things about the work of Jesus Christ, the things about the word of God, we believe this is God's word, starts in Genesis 1, goes right through the end of Revelation. We believe it's all God's word. It doesn't start being God's word somewhere. It doesn't stop being God's word somewhere. It's all God's word. It says, hold fast, hold fast to the foundational things of your faith. Maybe you're a new believer and you're like, I, I don't even really know what those things are. Well, go home, get on our doctrinal statement and take a look and see what we think are the things and what we believe are the things and what we hold fast to are the things that are our confession. Hold fast. How do we do that? Well, you do that through study and you do that through prayer But you do that through the promises too. You want to hold fast to the confession? Remember the promises of God's word. Look back in God's word and see his promises and hold fast to them. 
But then there's the promises that are still coming. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I won't let anything come on you that with my help, God says, we can't get through this together. You surrender to me in this. We're going to get through this together. There's a promise. How about this from Romans, that, that God's spirit intercedes for us with groaning that we don't even understand. When we're going through the most difficult time and we're crying out to God, I don't know, I don't understand, I don't know. It gets to heaven and it's clear because of the Holy Spirit of God. That's his promise to us. Hold fast because of the promises. Hold fast because of his faithfulness, remembering and seeing the past experience and God's working. And, and then the reality is we hold fast by his spirit. The moment you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you were baptized into Christ. The baptism of the spirit. You were indwelt in Christ. You were sealed in Christ. You were given a spiritual gift. All of that happened the moment you trust Jesus Christ and God's spirit. He goes with us. I don't go through this journey alone. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hold fast. Hold fast. God is faithful and God's spirit will work in us and through us. Then one more thing, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're told to draw near, we're told to hold fast, and then here's one more. We're told to stir up one another. Look at verse 25, 24, sorry. And let us consider how to stir up one another. Now here's the problem. Some people stop at that point in the verse. That's not a good place to stop in this verse. It doesn't say let us consider how we can mess up the church. Let's consider how we can cause a ruckus around here. Some people do that. And they just seem to have the gift of stirring up. Um, that's not what he's called us to do. And so if you're a stirrer, read the rest of the verse. To what God calls us to stir one another up about. The actual picture of stirring up, um, in some of the uh, texts you might have said, consider how you can spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's a picture of being on a horse and you give that thing a kick to get it going. I would prefer not to use the picture of you being horses and so I'm gonna stay with stir up, okay? But consider how you can move one another on. Not to struggle, not to hardship, not to pain. It's not what the text says. But he says, Consider how you can stir up one another to love and good deeds. That's what we're called to do. Bring love to people. Yeah, totally wrapped in truth. It's not, it's not loving to not tell the truth, but stir up one another with love filled with the truth of God and stir up one another with good deeds that honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Some ways we can do that are the reality of understanding that we're in this together. The Christian life was never designed to be lived in isolation. And so consider how you can stir one another up. We do that in fellowship. As I grew up as a kid, I always thought fellowship was what you did once a month after church on Sunday night, downstairs in the basement, coffee, tea, some juice and cookies for the kids. I thought that's what fellowship was because that was the fellowship time. Let's go downstairs for the fellowship time. That's pathetic. 
That's called juice and cookies downstairs in the basement. That's not fellowship. You can go downstairs and have no fellowship in that. Fellowship is doing life together. And I'm sure there were people who understood. I was just a kid. I didn't understand. I'm sure there were people who did understand, and they were going down, and they were spurring each other into love and good deeds. But, hey, the church of Jesus Christ operates when we fellowship with one another. Consider how you can stir one another up in fellowship. We do that in our walk with Christ. I I love that as being a picture of what we do here at Harvest with worship, walk, and work for Christ, and walk being in small groups. That's where we do life together in our church. This is important. This is critical, what we're doing here. But where we lean on each other and where we help each other and where we really spur each other on to love and good deeds is where we're hands-on, in fellowship, walking together in Jesus Christ. Consider how you can stir one another up into love and good deeds. Consider how you can stir one another up in bearing burdens for each other. What is the need that you know that someone has in our church that you could come alongside and you could help them and you could encourage them bearing one another's burdens Draw near, hold fast, stir up one another. That's what we're called to do. It's Easter. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen. And now we live out of the abundance of that to do these things. Well, so what? Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Again, when I was a little kid, that was the verse that was used like, you're going to church. You're going to church. Ow. I don't want to go to church. You're going to church, right? Probably not a bad application of it when you're a 15-year-old butthead who needs to be, you're going to church a few times, but that wasn't the purpose of this verse when it was written. These people were under persecution. These people were under pressure. These people were struggling in their faith. And they're like, I don't think we can go to church anymore. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. The pain is just too great. And the writer's going, he's saying, draw near, hold fast, stir up. Don't give up on getting together as the body of Christ. That's what we do. Don't forsake that. Don't neglect that. Make sure you do that. But then he finishes the verse and he says this. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day drawing near. Hey, as Christians, there's a lot of great days. Um, as, as Christians, some of those great days are right around the Lord Jesus Christ. There was the great day that Jesus came. There was the great day we remembered on Friday when Jesus died And there is the great day today that he rose again. And there is the great day, this one, that he's coming again. He is coming again. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Hey, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm looking forward to that day more and more and more. The older I get, my bones start to creak. And it's like, 
Come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? It's like, it's coming. It's going to be a great day. We look forward to it. We get all caught up in this world of, well, you know, maybe not this year. Like my taxes aren't quite done yet. I need to get a good refund. I want to spend it before we go. And we, we get all wrapped up in this world. And all the more as you see the day come, we should be looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes again. We should be living out of the abundance of that. That's an amazing hope for us. That's a great thing that should stir us up to love and good deeds. But it's a great reminder for us as well that everyone we know who does not know Jesus Christ, they're going to regret that day because they're going to stand before God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on that great day when we go to heaven, there are millions and millions of people who don't know Christ who are going to bow the knee, admit he was Jesus Christ the Lord and spend eternity separated from him in hell. There's a great day coming. It'll be a great day of judgment for some and it's a great day of hope for followers of Jesus Christ. It's done. I will endure. I will live out my life as best I can to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I look forward to the day that's coming, I will rejoice in it and I will do everything I can to take everybody I can with me into the kingdom. I get it. The Lord does that. But I will be faithful. I will be faithful. It is done. It is finished. I will endure for his glory and for my hope. Christ did what the law could not do. Christ did what you could never do. What will you do as a result of all of this for him and for his glory? Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and we thank you. Thank you for the writer of Hebrews and the picture of the sufficiency of who you are, your sovereignty, the working of Christ, how he accomplished what had to be accomplished. How great is our God. God, you are so great that we in our sinfulness, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. He came. He was born of a baby. How great is our God. How great is our God that Jesus Christ would come and live amongst us in, in a pure and perfect way as the example and the model for us. How great is our God. How great is our God that Jesus Christ would die on a cross so I could have eternal life. How great is our God. How great is our God that Jesus Christ has risen again as the receipt of all that he said he would accomplish. How great is our God. How great is our God that you are coming again one day. Lord Jesus, come quickly. We look forward to that day with great hope because of the finished work of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.